Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And we are back home in Lionel Lakes, Minnesota. Of course, if no one knows, I go to college at Minnesota State, University of Minnesota State, Mankato, down in Mankato, Minnesota, which is, let's say, Lionel Lakes is like 30 minutes north of like the Twin Cities, so like Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Mankato's like an hour and a half south from or like south yeah south southwest or whatever of the twin cities and as my winter break rounded out the semester pretty good i mean you know excellent student excellent host just all around an amazing dude i am no i'm just kidding i like to be humble i like to i like to just let my actions speak for themselves so final grade check i mean it's looking like all a's and one b the 1B, of course, being in my Principles of Marketing class, which is my major. So we get A's in management and finance and and even in business law. So I'm getting A's in everything but my uh, desired major. But uh, my management is not official. So I'm hoping I wrote a banger final paper, 23 pages, 23 page final paper. I'm hoping that that can uh, get me up to an A. I think I'm at an A right now, but who knows with all the all the grades coming in it might get a B. I hope not, though. I hope not. Got a, got a nice little episode for us today. Of course, we'll be reviewing all the fights from UFC Vegas 83 or UFC Fight Night. Song Dong versus Chris Gutierrez. I was able to catch some of the fights. was out at the bar with some of my friends, so we uh, wasn't really watching it too much. Just hanging out with people, enjoying my one last weekend before winter break. And I'm trying to lock in this winter. I'm trying to lock in this winter. I've, I uh, Of course, I have a whiteboard that I write out all of my weekly, I, you could say goals. Honestly, I'm going to write out my 2024 goals sometime this week, but just like everything I want to do for the week. And I've been kind of adding some motivational quotes on that board, um, some things I want to do, maybe just like getting outside more, stretching more, you know, because, you know, I go to the gym, I stay fit, but I just, I get so tense sometimes. I get so tense and I just feel that, you know, stretching more will be better with that, visualizing a successful future, you know, all the things that successful people do. I want to try and do that, man. I'm trying to, I'm actually going to be starting getting back into reading. I really fell off from that. Of course, I read the Bible every single day, really got stick to that more. Um, I'm going to be starting Goals by Brian Tracy. looks like a good book just about uh, planning out your goals, achieving your goals, and being a successful person. And I got this one book from the library today. It's like How to Catch a Killer. Some, it's about catching the most notorious serial killers of all time. So that, that's going to be a little fun book to read before bed, huh? Definitely not going to have any nightmares about serial killers coming to get me. Um, a new show that I've been dying to start, but I uh, was waiting to use my Apple Plus uh, or Apple TV Plus, whatever, free trial, is The Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Big Monsterverse fan. I love God. Godzilla. I love Kong Skull Island. I love Godzilla King of the Monsters. I love Godzilla vs. Kong. And I'm pumped for Godzilla Times Kong, the new empire. So this TV show has been getting some good reviews. I believe that episode 6 comes out this upcoming Friday, December 15th. And there's 10 episodes in total, so I might do a little bit of binging of that if I got some time. But yeah, that's just something that I wanted to uh, watch. And I'll be able to review it and talk about it on the podcast. So that gives us some good content, huh? A little surprise, surprise topic being talked 
thinking about that. Ooh, how fun. But I will say the one thing about coming back home for college students is just it just feels so different, you know, when you're at home. Because when you're at college or if you're in the dorm, you're in your own apartment, your house, a town home or whatever, you just you kind of have this freedom. You can kind of just go and do whatever you want. Maybe you have some roommates, but they're usually friends or people your age. But you come back home, it's like you kind of got to adjust back to being with your parents, which is never really a bad thing. But you just kind of you almost want to respect them more, not coming home so late, you know, not having them call, not trying to be picked up late, you know, because you were out at a party or something, uh, having more chores. And, you know, there's something about, you know, I can take out the garbage. I can clean my room. I can put stuff away when I'm by myself. But there's just something about being back home and being told to do that. It just makes me just kind of be like upset about it. Like not really like upset, but just kind of be like, oh, like, why do I have to do this task where when I'm by myself, I'm like, okay, I do this all the time. So why is it bothering me? And that could be that could be like a psychological thing I could look into, huh? So surprise topic, uh, psychological stuff like that. I don't know. Random stuff. But let's get into the episode. Of course, we'll be uh, going over the fights and, of course, reviewing NFL Week 14. It was a rough week pick-wise. Vikings won, but sadly put up the worst game of the year. So that was that was fun to watch. Not really at all. All, but um, yeah, we get into everything with uh, just uh, our normal normal routine of the episode. Nothing too special, but nothing not underwhelming. Hmm? Or nothing underwhelming? I don't know. However you want to phrase it, but we had two big fight announcements over the weekend. Nothing, nothing really too much. Uh, no, no big announcements really over the weekend. The UFC will probably start getting back into things once the new year hits because they've already revealed a bunch about 2024. And we, of course, have UFC 296 to round us out this upcoming weekend. The final event, the final pay-per-view of the year. Cannot wait to cover that coming up this Thursday. Episode 49 dropping this Thursday. Today's episode 48. But yes, one of the big fight announcements was revealed that Hinato Moicano will be taking on Drew Dober at UFC Vegas 85 February 3rd. I don't believe it's the main event. But um, honestly, it very well could be. Nato Moicano is currently ranked number 13 at men's lightweight. Drew Dober is ranked 15th. Drew Dober, is he coming off of a win? I'm trying to remember um, who these guys fought last. Let me actually check it out. Moicano, of course, had an epic post-fight interview his last time out. Yes, he last fought. Brad Riddell submitted him in round one, I think in like under a minute, under two minutes. That was back at UFC, oh, what was that? Two, 280-something, wasn't it? Back in November 2022, that would have been UFC, oh gosh, I'm mind-blanking, guys. I'm mind blanking. What was the first pay for 283, 282? That would have been UFC 281 he last fought. Wow, that was way over a year ago. Just been, I think, a couple fight cancellations have hit Anomaly Kano, but he's 17 and 5 overall. 10 of those wins by submission, four of those in the first round. As for Drew Dober, I know that um, he had picked up a big win over Matt Fravola at some point, but uh, oh, he last fought Ricky Glenn. Oh, no, he lost to Matt Fravola. He last fought in October. He knocked out Ricky Glenn in round one. Yes, now it's, it's coming back to me, Drew. It's coming back to me. So he keeps such a young appearance. Such a good looking man is Drew Dober. And honestly, I, I respect that, man. I really respect that. Just the, the ability to keep that good, um, how do you, how that good of care of your body. I mean, he's in his late 30s and he looks like he's a young 20 year old. So Drew Dober, 27 and 12 professionally, 15 of those wins by knockout, five by sub, 10 in the first round. Drew Dober, UFC legend. I'll be happy that that matchup is going down. Sad, I got to wait for it though. I'm probably leaning Hal Moicano. I just think the grappling will play an impact in that. But on the feet, I favor Drew Dober because Hanato Moicano got 
destroyed on the feet by Rafael Dos Anjos. That was actually that was in 2022, I believe. But um, that was a while ago. These two need to get a fight in. I'm happy they're going to. And the big one, which was just announced yesterday. Yesterday, I think it was, or maybe it was this morning. I don't know. But Marab Dwevashelli will be taking on Henry Cejudo in the co-main event of UFC 298. I don't know if it's the official co-main event, but it very well could be the co-main event. This is just an absolutely massive, massive um, matchup here. Marab ranked number two at bantamweight. Henry Cejudo ranked number three. A little surprise. It's not UFC 299, being that the bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling, will be taking, or not Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley, will be taking on Marlon Vera at that event. But hey, you know what? Nonetheless, I'll take it. Marab, 16-4, currently on a nine-fight win streak, all right? Now, be it of those 16 victories, only four have ever been finishes, but he's coming off a huge win over Piotr Young, set the takedown attempts record. Marab is just—his nickname is The Machine, and he's got cardio for days, probably the best cardio in the UFC. Henry Cejudo, his opponent, ranked number three, the former UFC flyweight and bantamweight champion, fought Aljamain Zerling to a split decision earlier this year in May. I have no doubts that Henry Cejudo could get back to uh, a championship opportunity and win. He's 16 and three um, professionally, eight wins by knockout, five finishes in the first round. But yes, only three losses professionally. He's a former golden, or not gold medalist, I think just a bronze medalist in freestyle wrestling at the, what was it, the 2008 Beijing Olympics or something? But Henry Cejudo, I love, I just absolutely love watching him fight, and that's going to be a massive fight. UFC 298, um, the featherweight belt will be on the line in the main event. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ia Topura. I forgot. I thought that was going down in January for some reason, but January is Sean Strickland versus Tristis Duplessis for the middleweight championship. Just so, uh, just as reference for everyone, in case anyone forgot about when the title fights were going down. But yes, that should be a fun one. I'm excited for both of those fights. But other than that, no big fights, no big announcements on where people are going. Um, I know people keep calling for UFC Chicago, a UFC Morocco, a UFC uh, back to California of some kind. I mean, there's all the every fighter that wins always talks about, hey, I want to have an event somewhere in their country and honestly the UFC has been kind of going back to the same locations Canada Mexico um, I really want to see them go just spread out more maybe do I wish they could do a UFC Russia I just don't think a UFC Russia would work due to global issues at the moment but going to Saudi Arabia is pretty big for the UFC so I'll be excited for that that's uh, March 2nd I believe but um, let's get into our little league, our league check-in. Of course, we check in with the NBA and NHL every single episode just to do it. Honestly, just to, just to get in there and see how every team is doing. The Minnesota Timberwolves, still the best team in the NBA. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. It's just, it's absolutely astounding. 17-4 and record. They're three games, I think. Uh, they're three games ahead of the Thunder. Actually, it might be six games. Actually, no, three games ahead of the Thunder. And as for the Celtics, they are a game ahead of them for best team in the whole league. Um, Timberwolves, 9-1 and one their last 10. I mean, this team is absolutely a defensive masterclass. And, I mean, Anthony Edwards has just been the best the best player of the season, so far this season, in the NBA, just for talent-wise, in my opinion. But, I mean, Shaq, Jillis Alexander, Joker, uh, they all do pretty good. But, man, Anthony Edwards would make an A statement. Thunder, the number two team in the West, 14-7. and seven. Uh, Mavericks in third, 13-8. and eight. Nuggets, 14-9. and nine. Lakers are 14-9 in the, the number 5 spot, and they won the NBA in-season in tournament 
and, and LeBron actually averaged like a 67% field goal percentage in that like four game stretch. So impressive for him. He said, you know what, people are going to hate on him, but he did this first. And I'll say, you know what, I got to give him credit. You know, they won, you won the first in season tournament, and people, teams are actually trying to win the in season tournament this year. You, the cup, the NBA cup or whatever. Um, it was pretty much over before it began for me, but it is what it is. Kings 12 and 8 they've been kind of falling off 6 and 4 in their last 10 but let's check in with the worst team in the NBA actually second worst Spurs 3 and 18 they are 14 games behind the number 1 seed and are 0 and 10 0 and 10 their last 10 and honestly i think they're on like a 16 or 17 game losing streak it's been absolutely terrible Grizzlies and Trailblazers both 6 and 15 in the 13 and 14 spot and the Warriors 10 and 12 only won 4 games their last 10 it's been a rough season for the Warriors. Warriors. Checking in with the Eastern Conference, Celtics, number two team in the league, number one team in the Eastern Conference, 16-5 and five record. I mean, team keeps doing it. Jason Tatum still balling. You still got Jalen Brown on the team. Team looks great. Magic, 15-7, and 8-2 their last 10. They're the number two team in the East. That's just shocking to me. Cole Anthony doing his thing. Jalen Suggs doing his thing. Franz Wagner. I mean, the team's been, team's been balling. Bucks, 15-7. and seven. Uh, They're the number three seed, 76ers, 14-7. and seven. But we'll check back at the bottom with the worst team in the league. I thought it was the Spurs. It's not. The 2-20 and 20 Pistons. They, I'm pretty sure, are on like a 15, 16, 17 game losing streak. That they, I think them and the Spurs have the same number of losses for their losing streak. But um, as for losses, on the year, the first team to 20 losses is the Pistons. And the Wizards, 14th team in the East, 3-18, and 1-9 their last 10. They are equally, they are equally as bad. It's just, it's absolutely astounding how they just can't win a game. I, I don't understand it. Personally, personally, I don't understand it, but I mean, that who, who am I? Who am I to judge? Who am I to say? What uh, what is that? Because I don't play in the NBA, so you know, obviously, I'm not as talented. Um, Pistons 19 game losing streak. That's right, I just verified it. 19 game losing streak for the Pistons. Wow, wow. Timberwolves on a six game heater. Um, Spurs on a 16 game losing streak. Trailblazers three game losing streak. Clippers three game win streak. Lakers three game win streak. Try to check out some streaks. Uh, Wizards, four-game losing streak. Bulls, four-game winning streak. Good for them. And Cavaliers, three-game winning streak for them as well. A lot of a lot of season left to go as they've reached the, wow, 25% mark. They're about a quarter of the way through their season. NBA, you know, it's definitely one of those leagues I like to uh, I like to check in just because it's easy to check in, but I, I just don't necessarily watch every game. I go to a game. Especially this season, tickets will probably be higher though since the teams are actually playing well. But hey, it's a price you pay for having a good team, which I'll take. I'll really take that. Timberwolves, um, this is your year. You know, Minnesota, we need a W. I mean, that we need a W for sure. Before I actually check in with the NHL, I mean, let me just say first off that the biggest sports news over the weekend was Shoei Otani. First, Shoei Otani, if no one knows, a excellent baseball player. Played for the, um, who was it, the Angels? Aren't they in Los Angeles? Is it the Los Angeles Angels? Wherever the Angels are from in uh, California, the, um, you know, he was an absolutely outstanding pitcher. He also played, I don't know if it was, was it center field, short stop, left field? I think he was out in the field or something. But he pitched and, or was it he pitched? He was a pitcher, but he also hit dingers. I think that's what it was. I don't know what it was with Shoei Otani, but insane player he hit the free agency market it was rumored he was going to Toronto the rumors were saying Toronto even the betting sites had it as Toronto there were rumors he was on his uh, plane or something to Toronto but then it broke that he was signing a 10-year 700 million dollar deal 
with the, it was the Dodgers, wasn't it? Was it the Dodgers? Was it the Dodgers? I want to make sure. I want to make sure I'm not getting it wrong with uh, Shohei Otani because I believe it was the Dodgers. Just an absolutely absurd ten years. Ten years he'll be with the team uh, for seven hundred million dollars. Though was it the yes the Dodgers? Absolutely insane. And someone commented seven hundred mil to throw a ball. Lol, our priorities are so misplaced. I know you're upset, man. You're not making a bag, but Shohei Otani has earned his bag. He's absolutely insane, and he is going to make. 700 divided by 10, what is that, 10, 70 million a year? He's going to make 70 million a year, absolutely insane. I think it was worked out that if you base his pay off of per games that he'll play, he'll make just about as much in two games that Brock Purdy will make for this whole season that he'll have with the 49ers. So that's just a fun fact for you, but Shoei Otani, for any of my baseball fans, absolutely insane. Good for him, though. Good for him. I know some people like to just go, wow, that guy's making so much money. I don't have a lot of money. You know, for someone with not a lot of money myself, I like to look at that and go, I want to get to that level. Like Shohei Otani. Mad respect to Shohei Otani. Plus, I just like saying his name. As for our NHL League check-in, I mean, the Bruins, top team in the Atlantic Division, 18-5-3 record. They got 39 points on the year. For the Metropolitan Division, Rangers, 19-6-1. They got 39 points. So, a tie at the top for the Eastern Conference. I think off of wins, though, if we're going off of wins, the Rangers have three more or one more win than the the Brew the Brew. Who is it? What am I trying to say? The Rangers have one more win than the Bruins. So basically, Rangers are best team in the Eastern Conference, but they still have the same number of points. No one knows how the NHL points work. Win gets you two, loss gets you zero, and overtime loss gets you one. Just a fun fact for you. Blue Jackets appear to be the worst team in the. Are they the worst team in the conference? They have 22 points. Yeah, no, actually, the Senators are 11 and 11 with 22 points, are the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Blue Jackets 9, 16, and 5, also at the bottom of the pack. Biggest winning streaks, though, so far. Flyers on a four game heater are 15, 10, and 2, and are second in the Metropolitan Division with 32 points. Um, also on a three-game win streak, the Florida Panthers, 17-8-2 with 36 points. Good for them. Checking in on the Western Conference, though, the best team in the league in the Pacific Division, the 19-5-5 Golden Knights with 43 freaking points. Absolutely insane. Only five regular, um, regular, how do you say it, regular period or just non-overtime losses, only five regular losses. They've lost five times in overtime, which gets them an extra five points. Absolutely crazy. 19 wins on the year for the Golden Knights. They're just a wagon, just a wagon. Three-game heater for them as well. Um, actually, we'll just look all over the Pacific Division. Sharks, 8-17-3, and three are the worst team in the league. Only 19 points. It's unfortunate, but, you know, yeah, they, they did win like a night or two ago, so they got that going for them. But uh, Oilers, seven-game win streak, 12-12-1 now, 25 points on the year. They've been trying to get back. Con McDavid, Leon Dreisdeidel, good for them. Canucks, 18-9-1 uh, with 37 points. Kings, 16-5-4 with 36 points. They've been playing some good puck. Um, the Kraken, though, eight-game losing streak. They're now 8-14-7, 23 points. So record-wise, they're just about be as bad as the Sharks. How about that? Blackhawks, bottom of the Central Division, coming off a loss, 9-17-1. They have 19 points. Oh, my gosh. So just by a win, they're better than the Sharks. But Blackhawks, second-worst team of the league. That sucks because, I actually, I was a Blackhawks fan back when they had uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze. I used to be able to name their whole freaking roster. When they won the Cups over the Bruins, I mean, those were such good days. Um, my whole family was still from Chicago, so they were all watching it. 
But, uh, you know, it just sucks. Kind of sucks seeing the fall off for the Blackhawks, but every team experiences it. That's how it goes. And my Minnesota Wild, the team I genuinely do cheer for, uh, are 10-12-4, 24 points. They're second to last in the Central Division. They did get a win. They did get a win the other night, but nowhere near the top of the pack. Uh, number two team in the Central Division, the 16-9-2, 34 points on the year, Colorado Avalanche. Are on a two-game losing streak, though. Unfortunate stuff for them there. A lot of puck to go as well for them. Let me just try and see what the average is. Seem, I feel like the NHL is just a game or two ahead, a game or two ahead of the um, NBA. So the NHL season shall probably end before the NBA season gets over. But it's it's been a, it's been a fun time checking in on all the leagues, and we're gonna do that continuously until freaking June. All right, I don't know what I'm going to do this summer, guys. I mean, I'm realizing that my episodes were usually a lot shorter when I first began because I didn't have any NHL, any NFL, any NBA. I had nothing to talk about. I just talked about UFC and a surprise topic. But as for the future, next couple of weeks, next couple of months, we're going to have lots to talk about. No surprise topic, really, this episode. I'm trying to think if there's anything I could just share off the top of my head. That's surprising. But um, usually I cook something up on one of our two episodes per week. But I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for our 50th episode because that's a pretty big one. Episode 50, I feel like that's pretty big. But it, it would work out where it's next week. And I was kind of hoping that for episode 50 I'd be with a guest. So I'm going to attempt, attempt to potentially get a special surprise guest for episode 50 could be could be someone we've had on before could be someone new that's also going to be a goal for um next year 2024 to get more guests on the podcast work out how to do that um as well of course we're going to do a special christmas day episode drop it's going to be super super fun going to be dropping that on christmas or maybe the day before uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas 23rd or whatever, with my cousin um, Ryan. Stay tuned for that. Of course, he was our first ever guest on the third episode of the podcast. And his episode, it didn't get much views just because the podcast didn't have much much notoriety as when I began it then. So I mean, make sure to listen to that episode and make sure to stay tuned for that one to come. But yeah, might be only doing one episode next week. I mean, after this, after this upcoming weekend... They'll be going to going to Christmas. Wow! So I might have to do might have to drop one Thursday or Friday. We'll see. I might do. I might try and get a guest on. So we'll see. We'll see about all of that. But lots of big things to come on the Surprise Jab Podcast. That's for certain. But let's get into one of our two big things we talk about each week, and we got a lot to break down. And that is the Week 14 recap of the NFL. Fantasy wise, I mean, it was a. It wasn't my best week. It wasn't my best week. And you know, I had that run. I had two straight weeks where I won in all four of my leagues, and it had to come to an end. All right, it had to come to an end right before the playoffs, sadly. But um, you know what? We're still bringing that energy into the playoffs. Let me talk about uh, all four of my leagues. First off, my random league, Winner Zach. That's my name in the league. Number one team in the league, 10-3 and three record. I am going to lose to the number two team. My buddy, though, my boy Landon, actually getting a workout with him later in today. He was 9-4, and four, and just I want you guys to guess how much he beat me by. 1.46 points. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Jalen Hurts. I mean, we're going to talk about all the games and all the performances, but I mean, we'll just go over fantasy wise first. Jalen Hurts underperforming. All right. JJ getting hurt again. All right. The highest score on my team was my kicker with 23 points. 
All right, sure, I could have put in Tyler Lockett, and he would have gotten me more points, but I never would have thought to do that. Um, as for as for Landon, having having a good week. Dak Dak performed decently. Jets D did their thing. Cortland Sutton good, and his kicker seventeen points. But you know what? Heading into the playoffs, we're gonna bring that energy. The roster will be refined. Jalen Hurts should be back to his prime form. David Montgomery should be doing good. Isaiah Pacheco should be back. I mean, Dallas Goddard didn't do too bad. I'd prefer if Taysom Hill's back. We'll see, and I'm really hoping Justin Jefferson gets back in the lineup. So we'll see what happens next week, but uh, we will be making the playoffs in that league. In my 10-man $20 buy-in league, of course, the team was just atrocious this week, but some players stepped up. And, you know, we had a record of 7-6. and six. There was actually a two-way tie for third. I did have an 84% chance to make the playoffs. I was playing the number one team, Timmy. All right, this is the Timmy League. He started this. His name is Speedy Rugs. Pretty funny. But um, I'm probably going to upset. I'm probably going to upset, guys. It's just a crazy performance this week. I'm up by 13 points. Like, well, if you want to do get specific, 12 point, like 8, 2 or whatever. But um, I have the Miami D. He's the Green Bay D. So the Green Bay D would need to outscore the Miami D by 13 plus. So we'll see what happens. But um, I'm really hoping that Tommy DeVito pops off tonight and uh, stunts that Packers D. And I'm hoping the Miami defense eats Tessie alive. But Joshua Dobbs, we had to uh, pick up a random QB this week. It was between him and Jake Browning. And I don't know why I didn't take Jake Browning. I mean, I found that kind of comical that I did it. But hey, it's just just how it works out. Just how it works out. Um, I got T-Law and Sam Howell in that league, so I'll be dropping Dobbs nonetheless. Um, McCaffrey, 16 points to his thing. Joe Mixon, 21 points to his thing. Cortland Sutton, Rasheed Rice doing their thing. Isaiah Likely, by best waiver wire pickup of the week, 19 points. 19 points. With Mark Andrews out, Isaiah Likely stepped up. Matt Gay, negative one points. He missed a field goal and an extra point. Matt Gay, the number four kicker in fantasy. How is that even possible? Um, as for Timmy, his team let him down. All right, Kenneth Walker, 9.4 points. Mike Evans, 1.8. Pratt Fryermuth, 6.8. All right, just I just a crazy upset in that league. And we're still hunting for the playoffs. All right, round one begins next week. What is it? Round one, last two weeks. Round two, last two weeks. And I believe for this league, playoff bracket-wise, only the top four teams make it. As of right now, I'm in. As of right now, I'm in. Let me see about... um. Miller time. He was he was the guy I was tied with. It looks like Miller time is going to win. Oh, he's up 17 and he has Derrick Henry and Jaden Reed, but um his opponent, Team Brewski Tuesday, is Tua and Tyreek. So I'ma just need to get a win and I'll be good. But man, it's a battle. In my uh Cato Boys League, 12 man, of course the team did so badly. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. I was 7-6. and six. I'm hunting for a playoff spot. I had a 99% chance. I don't even know if I'm going to make it. I was playing my buddy Seth. Really wanted to beat him. But um, currently, we are down by um, 20, 24 points. Down by 24 points. I have Tyree Kill in the Miami defense. And he has Saquon Barkley. So, Tyreek in the Miami defense. The Miami defense can put up some huge numbers against Tennessee. Eat them alive. That would be massive. If Tyreek can drop another 30 bomb, that would be massive. And if the Green Bay defense can withhold Saquon Barkley, we could maybe get a win. But the odds are stacked against us. Right? DeAndre Swift did nothing. Sam Laporta did nothing. Gus Edwards, nothing. CJ Stroud got hurt. And on the bench, you know, I mean, just nothing I could have done really much differently. Devin Singletary could have been in. That would have helped me a bit. But, I mean, Cooper Cup finally had a week, 25 points. My kicker, Brandon Arby, 23 points, doing his thing. Chubb Hubbard, 11.6. I'll take that with what I've been doing with all year. Um, but it's you know, it's been a rough going. 
And in the six-man All-Star Family League, I'm down 37 points to my mother, and I have Devin Achane. And so, uh, Achane, if you want to have another career day, you go right ahead. My team's just so atrocious in this league. It's absolutely crazy. Kyrene Williams, I mean, 14 points stack. Prescott, 17. I just need higher numbers, right? Mike Evans only having one catch. I mean, that made no sense to me. Debo did amazing. Travis Kelsey, 14, just doing average. Nico got hurt. Nico Collins got hurt. I mean, he was supposed to go off. Baltimore defense only put up four points. At least they got a touchdown, though. And, um, yeah, my kicker, Hopkins, number one kicker in fantasy, nine points. I'll take it. I mean, just unfortunate stuff all around. But let's actually get into all of the games, all of the matchups, and how every individual player performed before uh, performed before tonight's games. Of course, we have the Packers visiting the Giants. I'll be rooting for the Giants. And the Titans visiting the Dolphins. We're really rooting for the Dolphins. All right, I only got six correct picks this week. Absolutely atrocious. I think my my dad and my girlfriend did the best picks-wise, judging from what I'm looking at. I think they both have eight, and I'm just going to assume I lost in my three-man picks league with my two buddies. I don't even want to look at that. Personally, I don't even want to look at that. I just know it's going to be bad. We kicked off everything. We kicked off the week with Thursday Night Football, the Patriots and the Steelers, and by some measure, by some way, the Patriots managed to win. I can't believe it. I can't freaking believe it. I have no idea. How the Patriots beat the Steelers. I, I just, it's, I, it's wor- words won't come to my mouth, all right? Just the Steelers. Steelers are terrible. Steelers are terrible. Patriots win 21 to 18. Ezekiel Elliott drops 27 fancy points. Bailey Zappe, 20.9 fancy points. And Hunter Henry, 19 fancy points. Now, I did play um, Hunter Henry. My friend Seth had him. He had him on his bench, so that was clutch. That was super clutch. But um, despite playing terribly, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky put up 20 points. Deontay Johnson put up 14 points. Um, but just nothing going for him. Nothing going for the Steelers in this game. I mean, at halftime, at halftime, it was 21 to 10. All right, so 21 to 10. Uh, Steelers defense did come up big in the second half, but too little, too late as uh, the Steelers get a touchdown, you know, make it 18 to 21 with 10 minutes to play and just do nothing with it. They actually just do nothing with it. They're bad fourth down calls. They get chances. They do nothing. Just terrible offensive calling. Defense, though, defense is theirs is usually good. Bailey Zappe, 240 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. He's definitely earned the starting spot next weekend. Ezekiel Elliott rushed for 68 yards, but it was his seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown that led the way. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, four catches, 90 yards that day. Hunter Henry, three catches, 40 yards for two touchdowns. Had a great performance himself. Patriots stepping up, honestly, and away. By the way, they were in Pittsburgh. That's just crazy to me. Mitch Trubisky, the former Bears QB, the former, who knows where Mitch Trubisky's been. He's been all around. 190 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Also rushed for 30 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Najee Harris only rushed for 29 yards. Jalen Warren only rushed for 11 yards. The defense of the Patriots was on lock. George Pickens, the leading catcher, five catches for 19 yards. It goes to Deontay Johnson, though, for yards. Three catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Nothing to really say. Nothing more to really say. I mean, Patriots are three and ten. You know, they're not even gonna make the playoffs. But uh, now they're only minus one hundred and three in the point differential. How about that? And they gotta win. And they gotta win. You know what? I do kind of feel good for the Patriots. Good for you guys. You get a win and into a pre-Christmas weekend. By the way, week fifteen, of course, going down next weekend. They'll meet the Chiefs. I believe it's on Monday Night Football. I don't know for sure because you usually adjust the schedule. And I pre-make. I pre-made like up to. What I make up to? I made up to week 16, like towards the beginning of the season. So any changes that have been made have not been adjusted for my pick sheet, but all the matchups remain the same. So Patriots are going to carry a little momentum into that, but I just think they got to take their win this week. 
As for the Steelers, 7-6. They're now third in the AFC North. They have a minus 40-point differential, two-game losing streak to two of the worst teams in the league, might I add. So that's that's not good for uh, the Steelers at all. Um, just just atrocious. Might Probably going to miss out on the playoffs. As of right now, let me look at our uh, currently teams that are going to make the playoffs ahead of them. The Browns, the Bills... The Broncos, I think the Steelers are out of the playoffs right now. I think the Steelers are out of the playoffs with this brutal loss. That's just, it's terrible. It's terrible, but it is what it is. Steelers next weekend will be meeting up with the Colts. So, winnable game for them, but I really don't see this offense doing anything the rest of the year. It's, It's tough to be the Steelers fan. I'm sorry to say that, Seth. Moving into our uh, noon o'clock games on Sunday, the Buccaneers and the Falcons met in a crucial, a crucial NFC uh, South matchup, and I knew it. I correctly predicted this one that the Buccaneers would beat the Falcons. They did 29 to 25. Rashad White 21.5 fancy points. Baker Mayfield 20.06, not too shabby. And uh, what's his freaking face? Chase McLaughlin rushed, uh, or he's a kicker. Wow, he had 11 points. Well, I didn't even know what position he played. As for the Falcons, good fancy day for Drake London 29.2 points. Desmond Ritter 25.38, and Bijan Robinson 19.8. I mean. First half was just a shootout. I mean, what was it? Heading into halftime, the Bucks were up 9, 12 to 10. They were up 12 to 10, making it a 19 to a 10. Heading into the fourth, Bijan got a tutty, Desmond got a tutty, Kate Auden caught a tutty. It was back and forth, and just Buccaneers held out to the end. Baker Mayfield, 144 yards and two touchdowns, did his thing. Also rushed for a touchdown on three yards rushing. Rashad White rushed for 102 yards. Chase Edmonds rushed for 40 yards. How about that? Chase Edmonds getting some catches. Um, Chris Godwin, five catches for 43 yards. Rashad White, two catches, 33 yards, a touchdown. And Mike Evans, man. I just, wow, Mike Evans not doing anything. What? Did he have any targets? How many targets did Mike Evans had? I'm genuinely curious. How many did he had? He had six targets, only one catch. Defense was on lock on him. Wow, that is... That's just outstanding by the Falcons. They lost, though, so I guess it didn't matter. They locked him down. For the Falcons, Desmond Ritter throws for 347 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He also ran in a touchdown. Tyler Ajir rushed for 40 yards. Bijan rushed for 34 yards and a touchdown. Drake London, though, 10 catches, 172 yards. Had himself a day. Kyle Pitts, 3 catches, 57 yards and a touchdown. Finally got going. Bijan, 5 catches, 54 yards. And we'll even give Jonu Smith a shout-out. 4 catches for 27 yards. And now the Buccaneers are 6-7. and seven. So are the Falcons. They're both 6-7. and seven. But the Buccaneers, with that win, are now number 1 in the NFC South. Currently in the playoffs. It's a shame any of the teams in the NFC South have to make it. But when you look at it, Bucks, Falcons, and Saints are all 6-7. and seven. It's a three-way tie for the top of the NFC South, but it'll come down to some of those game tiebreakers about who won and who lost. But so far, a lot of teams have split, so I'll be interested to see what happens. Bucks on a two-game win streak, only minus eight now in the point differential. Baker's been doing his part trying to get this Bucks team to the playoffs. They're supposed to be the worst team in the league this year. They have surpassed everyone's expectations. They play the Packers next weekend, and depending how the Packers do against the Giants tonight in New York, it could be a tough matchup for the Bucks if the Packers keep their momentum rolling. As for the Falcons, they do have a minus 18-point differential. Average offense, average defense, but Desmond Ritter looking pretty good this week. They are second in the NFC South, but next weekend, the Falcons will be meeting the Panthers in a very, very winnable game. Let me just tell you about that. We'll get to the uh, Panthers later. It's, it's not looking good in Carolina. 
keeping our games rolling. The Colts lose to the Bengals 34-14. I couldn't believe it. The Bengals have momentum. Unfrickin' real. I was riding with the Colts. I was a Colts fan this week, and they let me down. The Bengals, man, don't blink. They've been doing good. Michael Pittman, 19.5 fantasy points. Gardner Minshew, 14.1. Zach Moss, only 9.6. Jake Browning, though, drops a 23.7 bomb. Joe Mixon, a 21.5. And whoever the frick, um, what's this guy's name? Chase Brown. Chase Brown, wide receiver. Uh, he got, how many points? I just saw it. I just had it on my uh, notes, and I lost it. Uh, 19.5 fantasy points. How about that? Just a uh, back and forth all game. And, I mean, it was it was 14 to uh, 14 heading into halftime, and then 20 unanswered points. 20 unanswered points. Colts completely fell apart. Gardner Minshew, 240 yards, touchdown and a pick. Zach Moss only rushed for 28 yards, leading rusher. A lot of people got passes. Pittman, though, eight catches, 95 yards, probably the best. On the day, it was actually Mole Alley Cox with his only catch of the game for the only passing touchdown of the game. Um, uh, the other one was from Ronnie Harrison Jr., who had a 36-yard pick six. Good for him. And they got a, they failed a two-point conversion. Now, or no, they did get a two-point conversion. Matt Gay missed the extra point. That's what I was thinking. Matt Gay failed the Colts in this game. As speaking of the Bengals, though, well, the Bengals, Jake Browning. 275 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. And he ran in a touchdown to a three-touchdown day for Jake Browning. Joe Mixon, 79 yards and a touchdown. He was balling. Um, Brown, the running back. I have no freaking clue who Brown, the running back, is. What in the world? 80 yards and a touchdown on three catches. What's this man's name? Who Who is this man's name? Um... Chase Brown. I don't know. Must have been some backup. Got got himself some luck. Teagans, three catches, two catches, 72 yards. Jamar Chase, only three catches, 29 yards. Just an odd odd day stat-wise for this matchup. I don't even know what to... I'm not even going to touch on that anymore. Bengals, 7-6, and six, are still fourth in the AFC North. But don't 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 count them out, though. Minus seven-point differential on a little two-game heater. You know, but the way the Steelers are playing, Bengals will probably get past them. But they just got to get past the Browns to try and sneak into the playoffs, potentially. As for the Colts, they now fall to second in the AFC South. But the AFC South is slowly falling apart. Everyone's on a losing streak in the AFC South. Colts 7-6, 314 points for, 330 points against their offense slings, but their defense eh, had an off week. The defense was doing pretty good the other two weeks, but man, what a shame, what a shame. I don't know what to to tell you, Colts fans. I'm glad I'm a Vikings fan. Oddly enough, I'm glad I'm a Vikings fan. Let's see what both of our teams got going next week. The Colts will be taking on the Steelers. Oh, yes, just mentioned that. that I'm, Colts, you should really win that. You'll be at home, too. And as for the Bengals, they will be meeting the bum, 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 Vikings. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, I think we're starting Nick Mullins. All right, we'll talk about the Vikings in a bit. Uh, Jets beat the Texans by upset 30-6. to six. I just don't understand the NFL. I just don't get it. Honestly, you know, if you ever want knowledge from me, just don't come to me. I clearly don't know anything about the NFL, the way I cannot predict how these games will go. Jets win 32-6. Devin Singletary, 12.5 points. The only good thing about this Texans offense or team. Brees Hall, though, 26.6 fancy points. Garrett Wilson, 20. And Zach Wilson dropped a 19.24 bomb in his return to starting game. No scores in the first. It was 0-0 after the first. And, I mean, in the third quarter, 14-7. It was looking kind of close. And then a, what was that, 9 plus 7, a 16-point fourth quarter shutout. Just nothing went right for Houston. 
CJ Strode, um, 91 yards passing, did get hurt in the first half, so he went out. And in came Davis Mills. Davis Mills came in and quite honestly did freaking nothing. One out of five for four yards. Gosh, he was terrible. Devin Singletary, 13 rushes, 65 yards, a touchdown. They pretty much just kept giving him to that. Just kept giving him the ball at that point. Nico Collins got hurt after catching a pass. It's, it's not looking good for the Texans. I was high on the Texans, not after this week. Well, we'll give the Jets their, their credit, though. We'll give them their clout for the week. Zach Wilson, 301 yards and two touchdowns. Brees Hall rushed for 40 yards. Um, The wide receiver Gibson, Xavier Gibson, ran in a touchdown. Huh, good for them. That actually counts as a win, because they, or a uh, touchdown for Zach Wilson, as it was on a screen. Garrett Wilson, nine catches, 108 yards. Brees Hall, eight catches, 86 yards in touchdown. And Tyler Conklin, three catches, 57 yards. Randall Cobb actually caught the other touchdown pass on a 15-yarder. So good for the Jets. I'll, gi- I'll give it to you know what, Jets? It's been a rough season. You know, you're five and eight, third in the AFC East, minus fifty-six point differential. The playoffs are so unlikely, so unlikely. There's currently one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven teams ahead of them for the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers do not return this year. Just wait it out. Jets, though, next weekend we'll be meeting up with the Dolphins. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe the Titans will wound the Dolphins a bit tonight. I don't know. If not, if you place a healthy Dolphins team, you're probably done for. As for the Texans, 7-6, and six, third in the AFC South. AFC South up for grabs, though. Up for grabs with the Jaguars' loss this week. We'll be mentioning them soon. But, um, you know, 287 points for, 279 points against, you know, the plus 8-point differential. It don't do much. It don't do much when you can't win. The playoffs aren't un- unrealistic, but I will say that they are starting to look very, very bull. Was well, bleak? Very bleak. I think yeah, they're starting to look pretty bleak with all these injuries. CJ's hurt. Tank Dell's hurt. Nico Collins is hurt. It's everyone's getting hurt in Houston. Texans next weekend will be meeting up with the Titans. So we'll have to see who's healthy for that game. Might actually go with the Titans. We shall see. Keeping our noon o'clock games rolling, the Rams took on the Ravens in what just might be game of the week so far. Honestly, this was a really good matchup. Uh, 37-31, to 31, Ravens get the W, but Cooper Cup, 25.5 fantasy points. Matt Stafford, 23.66. And D. Allen, who in the world is D. Allen? Um, D. Allen is um, a wide receiver, I believe. He, he, he dropped a 19 bomb. Wow. He's a tight end. Davis Allen's a tight end. Well, good for you, Davis Allen. Lamar, 31.64 points. Absolutely destroyed me. I was playing him this week. It, it sucked, but you know what? MVP Lamar. Could be a reality. Zay Flowers, 20 points. And Odell Beckham Jr., 19.7 points. I mean, just back and forth the whole way. The game actually went to overtime on a game-tying uh, field goal from Lucas Harasik from 36 yards before a Tylen Wallace 76-yard punt return, one of the craziest punt returns of the year. It was probably more crazy than that Jets and Bills one. Just about the amount of times Tylen almost stepped out, sealed it for them in OT. This Ravens special teams defense and offense is so special. Rams, though, will give their offense some credit. Matt Stafford, 294 yards and three touchdowns. Pieced up the backfield of the Ravens. Kyron Williams, 114 yards rushing, but was kind of held in check, honestly. Cooper Cup, though, eight catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Puka Nakua, five catches, eight for yards. And, of course, Davis Allen, four catches, 50 yards, a touchdown. He, he got it done. Higby must be hurt or something. And Demarcus Robinson, three catches, 46 yards, and got a tutty. As for Baltimore, Jim Lamar Jackson, 316 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. 
Hick ran for 70 yards on 11 rushes. Gus Edwards got only six carries this game. Very bad. Isaiah Likely, though, as we touched on, he had a great 19-point game. Five catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Zay Flowers, six catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Odell, four catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. This Ravens team is cooking, man. 10-3. and three. They are the, actually, they are tied for best in the league. Easily best in the AFC. Top of the AFC North. Um, 361 points for, 218 points against. Great offense, great defense, three-game win streak for this Ravens team. I'm Ryan High with them, man, and they'll be taking this three-game win streak into a rough Jaguars team next weekend. So keep your eyes on that one as the Ravens can move to 11-3 next week. The Rams, though, I mean, I hate to say this, the Rams are just 6-7, plus 9-point differential, 299 points for, though. They're almost at that 300-yard mark, almost in the 300 club. It's, It's just awkward. It is awkward that they're doing as bad as they are because, you know, what? it looked like, oh, their season's over. Then the last two weeks, oh, the season's not done. But now they're at this awkward point where you're not going to win the NFC West. Okay, so you have to look, you have to look, if you're the Rams team, you have to look for the wild card spots. And right now the Eagles or Cowboys is going to clinch for the AFC East. They're already clinched a a wild card spot without a doubt, without a doubt. Vikings are probably going to get one. Vikings are probably going to get one. So then you have one more spot, and you're going to be competing for that with the Saints, Falcons, Bucks, who, who, whichever two two of the teams out of the NFC South. All right, one of those three teams between the Bucks, Falcons, and Saints will make it. So you'll be competing with the other twos. You're also going to be competing with the Packers for that as well, and I'll say the Vikings. And you got the Seahawks right on your tail in your own division. So a lot of scenarios for the Rams, but. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's realistic. I'm sorry to say it. They do play the Commanders next week coming off a bye. So hopefully they can just keep the momentum they had. You know, even though you lost an OT, you play good. Keep that momentum. But gotta give it to Lamar. He's putting on an MVP season. Um, are we still in the noon games? Yes, we are. The Bears beating the Lions. Yeah. Yeah, this is the biggest upset of the week. This is the, easily the biggest upset of the week. Let me just say that again. We shouldn't, have, we shouldn't have seen it as an upset. We should have seen this coming the way they played originally. But I just cannot believe the Bears won. 28-13, to 13, might I add, to a 15-point victory. Jameer Gibbs, 17.2 fancy points. Josh Reynolds, 13.4. Dave Montgomery, 11.5. DJ Moore for the Bears, 26.8. Justin Fields, 24.72. And the Chicago defense, 15 points. Insane insane and mind you it was 14 to 10 or 13 to 10 at the half lions were doing good and then proceed to give up 18 points in the second half without being able to answer i don't know what to make of this lions team they're frauds they're clearly frauds jared goff only 161 yards through for a touchdown and two picks jameer gibbs rushed for 66 yards and touchdown dave montgomery 66 yards no touchdown josh reynolds got the only touchdown pass from jared goff rather than that Monroe St. Brown held in check. Sam Laporta held in check. Everyone held in check. Chicago, though, I just don't know how they did it. Justin Fields, 223 yards and a touchdown. Fields ran for 58 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Foreman ran for 50 yards. Moore ran for 20 yards and a touchdown. This team was getting it done. I mean, DJ Moore, six catches, 68 yards and a touchdown was a stud. Cole Komet, five catches, 66 yards. Bears defense stepped up big here, got it done. Um, I think they even blocked a PAT, and it was just an absolutely incredible week for the Chicago Bears. Though the issue with the Bears, though, is they're five and eight, minus thirty-nine point differential. You know, the playoffs—they would need to win out. If you're the Bears, you need to win out. 
I don't know if that's possible, but you could maybe make the playoffs if you can win out. But uh, two-game eater, it's looking like they may be the best of the worst teams. Maybe. I don't know. Don't blink too fast if you're a Bears fan. If you're a Lions fan, I would panic. I would panic, you know. 340 points for your offense has been slinging, but 314 points against your defense has absolutely collapsed. They are still 9-4 and four in the NFC North, but they're yet to play the Vikings, who are 7-6, and six, just suffered divisional losses to the Packers and the Bears. Don't blink, the Bears have now beaten two of their divisional matchups, two, two divisional rivals, Vikings and Lions, the last two weeks. Um, you know, the Lions could easily lose the number one spot in the FC North to the Packers, Bears, or Vikings, depending on if they can't win. We'll see what happens, but man, oh man, crazy stuff in the NFC North. And guess what? That's my freaking division, because I'm a Vikings fan. Next week for these teams, Bears will meet the Browns. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. That'll be a tough one for you, Bears, but we'll see how you do. And as for the Lions, Lions will meet the Broncos. That'll be another interesting one. That'll be another interesting one. But uh, let's, uh, let's get into our final final noon game as the Saints took on the Panthers. And no surprises here. Literally none. Saints win 28-6, to exactly as they should have. Am Thielen, 12.4 fantasy points. Chubb Hubbard, 11.6. Yeah, that's the only good there. New Orleans defense gets 18, Alvin Kamara gets 13, and Chris Olave gets 12.8. Um, DeMarco Jackson in the second quarter had an eight-yard fumble return for the Saints, probably how they got so many fantasy points. But um, Eddie Pinero hit a field goal in the second and a field goal in the third to give the Panthers their only points of the game. Bryce Young is terrible. 13 for 36 for 137 yards, rush for 40 yards. I mean, he's... Oof, I don't know what to make of him, man. It's It's been a bad rookie season. It's just been about as worse as it could be. Chubba Hubbard rushed for 87 yards. Adam Thielen caught five catches for 74 yards. It's just, it's rough in Carolina. That's all I'll tell you. Derek Carr getting back to his ways in the sexy. Not as much as I thought. 119 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Just an average Derek Carr day. Alvin Kamara rushed for 56 yards and a touchdown. Olave, four catches, 28 yards and a touchdown. And Jimmy Graham, two catches, 16 yards and a touchdown. They were definitely missing Rashid Shahid and Taysom Hill, I'll tell you that. But still managed to get past it by beating this terrible Panthers team. Saints, 6-7. and seven. Uh, They're currently in third in the FC South, but of course tied record-wise for the number one spot with the Falcons and the Bucks. They do have, actually, a plus 24 point differential. Good for the Saints. Panthers. Yet to cross the 200 mark in scoring, 197 points for, 341 points against. It's a bad offense. It's a bad defense. 1-12 in record, 6-game losing streak. I have no idea what to make of this team. I, I genuinely don't, and I can't pick them the rest of the season. You know, I predicted that they would beat the Bears, and just since I just, I've been given no reason to pick them. I feel like if I pick the Panthers, I'm just accepting that the pick's going to be incorrect, which I hate. I hate that that would be the case because, well, you know, I'm not necessarily a Panthers fan, but I do got my throwback Cam Newton jersey who I ride with. I don't know. If you're a Panthers fan, I'm sorry for you, but for the Saints, some hope, some hope. This one team, one of the Buccaneers, Falcons, or Saints will make the playoffs and mind you, mind you, you know, uh, it's 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 going to be close. It's going to be close. Look, obviously, the Cowboys or Eagles are going to clinch up a wild card spot. The Vikings right now, right now, are ahead of everyone else for a playoff spot. But a lot can happen. A lot can still happen. And in the next weekend, the Saints will be taking on the Giants, I think, to kick off Saturday. I know there's some Saturday games, so I'll have to take note of that. But, um... That's a winnable game. Depending on the Giants' dude tonight, I would still favor the Saints in that matchup. As for the Panthers, 
Divisional matchup with the Falcons. I will say those are the most winnable games for this Panthers team are the divisional matchups. But the way Desmond Ritter just played, I think he can handle this Panthers defense. We'll see what happens next week. Let's get into our 3.30 games and sadly the worst game of the week. I hate it pains me to say it. It was the worst game of the week because it's my team. My team had the worst game of the week. The Minnesota Vikings beat the Las Vegas Raiders 3-0. 3-0, to zero, and that final field goal came with under two minutes left. Thank you, Greg Joseph. Thank you, Greg Joseph. But Greg missed a field goal earlier. It's holy cow, just holy cow. I have no words, absolutely no words. Minnesota defense gets 17. TJ Hawkinson gets 10. Devontae Adams gets 20. Oh, and 12 fantasy points. Raiders defense gets 11. Josh Dobbs, 10 for 23, 63 yards. Rush for 21 yards gets benched. In the fourth quarter, just I don't know why they didn't let him fish it out, but at the same time, Nick Mullins came in slaying nine of thirteen for eighty-three yards and set us up for a field goal. T.J. Hawkinson five catches, fifty-three yards. Justin Jefferson two catches, twenty-seven yards on his second catch of the game gets hurt with his chest. Should be back next weekend for the Bengals, but just not an ideal debut. And screwed me over in fantasy, might I add that? But I care more about J.J.'s health than my fantasy team. As for the Raiders, Aiden O'Connell, 171 yards and an interception. Josh Jacobs only ran for 34 yards. Devontae Ham, 7 catches, 53 yards. Probably the best thing about the team. Jacoby Myers, 5 catches, 25 yards. Didn't even attempt a field goal. The Raiders didn't even attempt a field goal. I mean, just completely shut out. First off, I really should give credit to this Vikings defense. The amount of time they were on the field, the amount of time that they had to deal with everything, Managed to get through it, you know, wins a wins a wins a win, no matter how brutal it is. And guess what? We're now second in the NFC North, you know, despite only winning 3-0. 266 to 242. We got that plus 24 point differential. Even if the Packers win, we'll still be in the playoffs because um no matter what other you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's looking like it might be a Vikings Packers, that game between us. Oh, actually, we Actually, yeah, Vikings-Packers game coming up for, uh, what is that, New Year's? New Year's Day or whatever? I don't even know when that's going down. But um, could be for a playoff spot. Right now the Vikings are in. Um, right now the Eagles are in the playoffs. But um, if the Packers win tonight, they'll be in. If not, I don't know if it goes. There's a lot of factors that go in. I couldn't be. I couldn't tell you right now. But good win. Um, not, not good. Good defensive win. That's what I'm going to say. A good defensive win for the Vikings. We do play the Red Hot Bengals next weekend, I think on the road too, so that's not very appetizing, but um, you know what? Maybe we'll do good. Maybe we'll do good. We shall see, Vikings. We shall see. As for the Raiders, the Raiders will be playing the Chargers on Thursday Night Football, and that's a winnable game. This Chargers team has been sucky, and if Herbert ain't playing, there's no way that I'm picking the Chargers, because they look terrible. They look absolutely terrible. We're going to be mentioning them in just about two games, but absolutely terrible performance from the Chargers this week. Same from the Raiders. At least the Vikings won the bad game. Our other 3:30 matchup: the 49ers beating the Seahawks 28 to 16. Holy cow! This 49ers team is something. They are. They completely rebounded their season. Um, Drew Lock 15.26. Gino did get hurt early on. Tyler Lockett 14.9 and DK Metcalf 13.2. Your fantasy performances for the Seattle Seahawks. But as for the 49ers, I always say as for as for Debo Samuel 34 points. He's absolutely insane. I love you, Debo. So so drafting him in fantasy next year. Brock Purdy drops at 21.42 bomb, and George Kittle gets 16.6. Good for him. 
Started off pretty interesting, 10-7 after the first quarter, and only 14-10 at half, a four-point lead for the 49ers before turning it on in the second half. Debo gets a touchdown. George Kittle gets a 44-yard touchdown for Brock Purdy. And actually, Debo in the second quarter had a 54-yard pass from Brock Purdy. Absolutely torched the secondary. Nothing much to say. Seattle, Juka Gino gets hurt, is what it is. Drew Locke, 262, nine yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Was at least trying. 22 of 31 completions. He was trying. Zach Charbonnet split carries with Kenneth Walker. Both men didn't even get over 50 yards. Tyler Lockett, six catches, 89 yards. DK Metcalf, two catches, 52 yards for a touchdown. Cody Parkinson, backup tight end, caught a touchdown pass. Good for him. Brock Purdy, man, he's. I'd throw him in the MVP race. I'd throw him in the MVP race. Why not? Why not? 368 yards on 19 of 27 completions, two touchdowns. to throw a pick. Is what it is. Um, Debo ran in a touchdown. Debo caught seven catches for 149 yards in a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, six catches, 126 yards. George Kittle, George Kittle, three catches, 76 yards in a touchdown. And Chris McCaffrey, only one catch for eight yards, but rushed 16 times for 145 yards. The Seahawks torch the Seahawks. 49ers are now 10-3, and three, tied for the best team in the NFC, actually in the league at the moment, and uh, four games ahead. In the NFC West. So they've just about clinched the NFC West. 380 points for, 205 points against. Excellent offense, excellent defense with the plus 175 point differential. Five game heater. I mean, they went 5 and 0, lost three straight. They've won five since. I don't see this 40 dollars team losing. I just really don't. I really don't. And next weekend, they got a matchup with the Cardinals. Should be a gimme for them. Give me, give me that 49ers money line. Seahawks, six and seven, four game losing streak, just have completely fallen apart. There was one time they were going to catch the 49ers. They, they were going to catch the 49ers. Okay, it was absolutely crazy. They were six and three. 49ers were, what, five and three? And then just completely fell off. Um, now have a minus, what is it up to now, 38 point differential. With the loss of Geno, I don't know what to tell this team. It has just been atrocious. Wow. Four-game losing streak. Incredible. They play the Eagles next week, and I think this Eagles team is going to come out pretty freaking pissed. Pretty freaking pissed. Eagles getting blown out in back-to-back weeks to two of the best teams in the league. This Eagles team's going to be pretty angry. So uh, if you're a Seahawks fan, I'm sorry to tell you that. It's, it's going to be a rough one for you. One of our favorite matchups to get every single year, of course, is the Chiefs and the Bills. And I have no idea what's going on in Kansas City. It's a complete fall off as the of the dynasty as the Bills lose twenty to seventeen. Whew, we gotta talk about this one. James Cook, twenty five fantasy points. Josh Allen, twenty fantasy points. T Bass, eight fantasy points. Wow, it was just a Cook and Allen show. Rasheed Rice gets an eighteen fantasy point bomb. Travis Kelsey fourteen and Patrick Mahomes thirteen. And mind you, it was fourteen to seven at half. Then it was um. What was it? Uh, it was 17 to 14, head in the fourth quarter. Then it was 20 to 17. And on the final play of the game, the final attempt for the Chiefs, Kadarius Tony is off sides on the final play where Travis Kelsey catches a pass midfield, pitches it back to actually Kadarius Tony, who runs it in for a touchdown. It comes back. Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes kept complaining about it. But all he can do is fire Kadarius Tony. Fire Kadarius Tony. You can't mess up like that. On the final play. And I get defending your teammates. But it was Kadarius Tony's fault. It was Kadarius Tony's fault. He's terrible. Get him out the league. He's just clearly not a good wide receiver. He clearly just has no football knowledge. And yeah. 
it, it cost them. It cost them. And the Bills, just they just, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how the Bills win games some weeks, lose games other weeks. It's pretty freaking comical. Um, But uh, Josh Allen, 233 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Cook ran for 58 yards. Allen ran for 32 yards and a touchdown. But James Cook, five catches, 83 yards and a touchdown. Got it done. Stephon Diggs, only four catches for 24 yards. How about that? Kansas City, Mahomes, 271 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Clyde Edwards-Alaire only rushed for 39 yards. Jerick McKinnon ran in a touchdown. I didn't even know he was playing. Travis Kelsey, six catches, 83 yards. Rishi Rice, my new favorite wide receiver to add, seven catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. My goodness, my goodness. Chiefs are now 8-5 and five on a two-game losing streak. Now, despite having the plus, what is it up to now, 64-point differential, they're only a game ahead of the Broncos. And they've lost to the Broncos, so it is it is getting very interesting in Kansas City for sure. They're currently in the playoffs, but I thought they would lock up the West. They are not, and I don't even know if they're going to get the double-digit wins on the season. They play the Patriots next week on Monday Night Football, if all goes according to the schedule, and they should win that, but it's getting, it's getting not too pretty if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. For the Bills, second now in the AFC East. They found their way back into the playoffs, 7-6, and six, trying to get one of those wild card spots. I mean, it's it's going to be close. Right now they're tied with the Texans, Colts, Broncos, for uh, Steelers and Bengals all record-wise. But as for points-wise, the, the, this Bills team has put up 348. Defense at 244 now, starting to simmer down on giving up too many points. It's it's looking it's gonna be an interesting end to the season for this Bills team as they look to make the playoffs. And I would like these this Bills team's chances in the playoffs. Josh Allen just continues to perform very well. And they did I will say the defense, despite Kadarius Tony being a foot off off of the line, you know, despite just being a foot over or maybe even just a couple inches over the line of scrimmage. You did still give up that play on the final final drive, so it is something the Bills defense will have to look at because the refs did help you by calling that play, but if it was backyard football, you'd have lost this game. Final 3-30 game, the Broncos blow out the Chargers, and I was so happy with this pick. I knew it would happen. I knew this Chargers team was washed. I know this Chargers team is garbage. Broncos now 7-6. and six. They do have a negative point differential, but that's all thanks to that 50-point loss to the uh, Dolphins earlier on. Chargers 5-8, and eight, even at 282 points, 4 points against. Pretty unique. Javante Williams gets 18 fantasy points, Russell gets 15, and Corlin Sutton gets 15 himself. Austin Eckler finally did good, 21 fantasy points. Keenan Allen, 12 fantasy points. And you heard me right, Quinton Johnson, the I don't even know how this guy has a job, got 12 fantasy points somehow. The Chargers didn't even score till the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter. Just a complete shutout from this Broncos defense. Absolutely amazing stuff from them. Russ throws for 224 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Javante rushes for 66 yards and a touchdown. Colton Sutton, three catches, 62 yards and a touchdown. Troutman, the tight end, two catches, 19 yards, and a touchdown. Decent, decent. Uh, Justin Herbert, of course, getting hurt. His stat line before that, 96 yards and a pick. Uh, Easton Stick did come in, career backup, throws for 179 yards, not too shabby. Austin Eckler, 51 yards and a touchdown. Keenan and Eckler, they both caught some passes. You know, Keenan got six catches for 68 yards. Austin Eckler, five catches, 49 yards. Nothing helped them. Quinton Johnson, three catches, 91 yards. Got the most yards somehow. I have no idea. Quinton Johnson, you know, he was good on TCU, but um, in the NFL, not so much. Broncos, of course, will uh, be in second place in the AFC West, searching for a playoff spot. Next weekend, they will meet the Lions, and I don't mind their odds in that matchup. 
Chargers, of course, third in the AFC West. I, ugh, play the Raiders on Thursday Night Football. You couldn't pay me to watch that game this Thursday. I'll be doing the podcast. I'll be doing a podcast. I will not be watching that game. I don't even know who to pick for that. How can I pick the Chargers or the Raiders after how both teams performed? Both are 5-8, and eight, bottom in the AFC West, are going to miss the playoffs. Fire, fire Staley. Staley needs to go. The head coach, Staley, needs to go for the Los Angeles Chargers. It is it has become a dire situation. They need they need a full switch up. And I'm sorry, Herbert, you got hurt, but you got to step up, Justin. That's all I can tell you. That's really all I can tell you. Our final game, our Sunday night football game. I just, this Eagles team has fallen off. And I'm, I, it's sad to see fantasy-wise. It's sad to see picks-wise. But, man, I love the drama. Cowboys win 33-13 to and are now the number one team in the league, in my opinion, and also lead the NFC East. Uh, A.J. Brown, 16 fantasy points. Devontae Smith, 10. Jake Elliott, 10. Everyone held in check. Aubrey the kicker, 23 points. I love you, Aubrey. I love you. Here's the only good thing about like two of my fantasy teams. CeeDee Lamb had 19 and Dak 17.94. Kind of wanted a bit more from you, but you know what? You did your part. Uh, Eagles got a field goal and a touch, two field goals in the second. One touchdown from the defense of Jalen Carter, 42 yard fumble return. Wow. In the third. But other than that, no one on Philly scoring, but no one turning it over. Jalen Hurts, 197 yards throw in. Uh, they did run a, they did run a excellent uh, trick kick, um, or was it fake punt? I mean, a trick kick, a fake punt for a 28 yard throw from Man the punter. But DeAndre Swift only 39 yards rushing. Jalen Hurts only 30 yards rushing. Only AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and Zacheus all caught passes. And you know what? Despite having 94 yards from AJ Brown, 73 from Smith, 30 from Goddard, I mean, just nothing. This Dallas defense was on lock. Dak Prescott, 271 yards and two touchdowns. Pollard rushes for 59 yards, puts the backup running back, Dowdle, who rushes for 46 yards and gets a touchdown. C.D. Lamb, six catches, 71 yards and a touchdown. And Michael Gallup, three catches, 48 yards and a touchdown. Rounds out our Sunday night football. Um, Cowboys now 10-3, 421 points for 233 points against. The, bo- the best point differential in, in the NFL. What is that? Doing some quick math. So that'll be... That'll be 12. So I believe they have 88. Was it 100 plus 188 point differential, if I'm doing that right? I think I think I am. I think I'm doing my math correctly. Five-game win streak now for the Cowboys has them. It's honestly the best offense in the league. The best offense in the league, 421 points for. No one else has that unless the Dolphins do some nasty things to the Titans, which I'm hoping for tonight. Eagles 10-3, 342 points for, 321 points against. Two-game losing streak. Just the fall-off has been quick and sudden. Obviously, both teams are going to make the playoffs as the Giants and Commanders suck. But, um, yeah, Eagles, no longer the fearless birds. More like a more like a little soft bird. They're more like a robin. Nickname, their new name is the Robins, honestly. That's their new name. They're playing like robins, not like eagles. Cowboys next weekend will be meeting up with the Bills. Ooh, just, just tough, tough matchups for the Bills and the Cowboys. Wow, interesting stuff there. And we already talked about how the Eagles will play the Seahawks. And I think they'll come out angry. They really should. Battle of the Birds. I'm taking an Eagle over a Seahawk. And yeah, that's that was those were all the matchups. Those are all the matchups from Sunday night football. Um 3.30 games, the 12 o'clock games, our Thursday night football, a whole lot of stuff went down. But um, yeah, you know what? I'll be keeping my eyes on Tyreek Hill, Devin Achane, hoping Saquon sucks, hoping the Miami defense pops off. 
other than that, you know, it was it was a decent it was a decent day. I was at the bar with my parents, so I mean, we were at least drinking, so we weren't able to see all the atrocities that the Minnesota Vikings offense kept committing. It's sad to see Josh Dobbs playing bad, but it's the price you pay at times. That's the price you pay. With that, we only have one more segment left, and that is to review UFC Vegas 83 Fight Night Song Yedong versus Chris Gutierrez. I'm going to rest my voice, then I'll be back to go over all the fights from this past Saturday. Alrighty, let's wrap this all up with a, ba- a look, a look, a look back at UFC Fight Night Song Yedong versus Chris Gutierrez. It was an alright fight night. I was able to catch a couple of the matchups, and I went back and looked at all the finishes just because I liked to do it. Let's get it going. So we kicked off our prelims with a woman's strawweight bout between Talita Alencar and Rihanna Amanda. And Talita gets the win by split decision. I predicted she would get a sub, but you know what? Rihanna proved tougher than intended. Tougher than expected, actually. Tougher than expected is the correct word. So round one, Ryan outstrikes her 34-11. to Talita goes 0-3 on takedowns. Round two, though, Talita... One of one on takedowns, two minutes and eleven seconds of control time, and just out striker significantly sixteen to ten, but total thirty-two to twenty-five in favor of Ryan. And round three, I mean, zero for five on takedowns for Talita Allen Carr and Amanda outstruck her more. I didn't see the fight, but just from the stats, you would have thought Ryan Amanda won. But by the sound of it, looks like Talita did enough to get it done. Talita Allen Carr getting her was it fifth. Fifth professional victory. She's now 5-0-1. She did come from this past season of Dan White's Contender Series. Good win for her. As for Ryan, unfortunately, after losing on Season 6 of Dan White's Contender Series, has now lost her UFC debut. She falls to 14-7 and professionally. Good win for you, Talita. Good win for you. Um, less than... Less than, like, stellar. I mean, she's just done stellar for, through her first two UFC stints. But, um... You know what? Good for you, the Brazilian... Brazilian, still undefeated. You got to take the wins how you can. But as expected, a boring women's fight to open up every card. I don't want, I don't like to sound like a sexist or anything. But I'm just saying it's just, it's, it's a repeat thing. It's a repeat thing of women open up the prelims and not be that exciting. But, uh, Delita Alencar, you, uh, you keep doing your thing, girl. I'm rocking with you. We got the action rolling up next as Tatsuro Taera took on Carlos Hernandez and Tatsuro Taera absolutely destroyed him getting around to TKO. Have no idea. I have no idea how Tatsuro did not get performance bonus for this. This was absolutely insane. Totals from the fight, one knockdown for Tatsuro, 33 significant significant strikes to two, 44 total strikes to two, three minutes and 36 seconds of control time. I mean, from round, in round one, Carlos Hernandez didn't land a single strike. He only attempted one strike and didn't even land it. Tatsuro uses his grappling, uh, gets three three and a half minutes of control time. I mean, just domination. Dominates him for Tatsuro Taira. A 10-8 to 10-7 round just laid into Carlos Hernandez. Carlos had no answer for Tatsuro in round two. Tatsuro dropped him. He got on top. He started laying on the punches. And that was that Tatsuro Tai era. You beautiful Japanese boy. Moves to 15 0 and a perfect 5 0 in the UFC, getting his fourth professional KO victory. I love the man. He we need him in the rankings. Let me tell you that. And we need, if we're doing a fight night in Japan, whatever, get this boy on here. He's from Okinawa. You love to see it. 
I love Tetsuro Tyra, man. What can I say? He's one of my favorite flyweights. And dare I say one of my favorite fighters on the roster. And, you know, number 15 ranked Cody Durden at flyweight. Number 14 ranked David Dork. I would personally bump David Dork from the rankings and put Tetsuro Tyra on the rankings. I think he's earned a spot at someone in the rankings. Seems, uh, seems to me it's time. Perfect stuff from Tetsuro, man. He moves on. I got him. You know, I think the the man who lost earlier, Sumadarji, I think he should fight him next, potentially. Sumadarji, of course, hailing from China. So, I mean, if we do a UFC Asia event or whatever, those two could easily fight each other. But Tetsuro, man, yeah, 5-0 and through his first five fights in the UFC. Three of those have been finishes. None more impressive than this one, man. You love to see it. As for Carlos Hernandez, you know, he... Falls a 2-2 two two in the UFC, 1-2 on the year. You know, he got finished by Alan Nascimento. Then he beat Dennis Bonder. Now he lost to Tatsuro. I'm sure they'll have him back for another random prelim fight, but this is the night of Tatsuro. I love it, Tatsuro. I freaking love it. I love his name, too. What, what's his nickname? Does he have one? He doesn't have one. He doesn't need one. His reputation precedes him. Keeping the prelims rolling, we had Luiana Santos taking on Stephanie Edgar and Luiana getting the unanimous decision victory over the veteran Stephanie Edgar. Luiana now improves to seven and one. Good win for her. Stephanie Edgar falls to eight and five. Oof, yucks. That's kind of rough. That is kind of rough. Luiana tells from the fight 53 significant strikes of 44. Edgar does outstrike her totally 112 to 97. Two of four on takedowns for Luiana for seven minutes and 44 seconds control time. Steffi Edgar goes one of one for a minute and six seconds of control time. Luiana outstruck her in round one, had two and a half minutes of control time. Appears to just have dominated her there. Round two, landed a takedown, one of two. Two and a half minutes of control time again, outstriking her. And round three, it would appear, was the one round Stephanie could have potentially won. She did outstrike her a lot. Both women landed a takedown. Might have been maybe towards the end of the round. I did not catch this fight. But um, good win for Luiana, man. Improving to 2-0 and in the UFC. 2-0 and in the UFC. Um, in 2023, 2-0 in the UFC. 2-0 um, on the year. And now on a little 4-5 win streak for Good for you, Luiana. And especially in the women's, um, what is this, bantamweight division, we'll, we'll take fighters. We'll take fighters. There's no real heavy hitters in women's bantamweight, especially towards the bottom of the pack. I mean, I guess you have Julia Pena, Hakra Pantin, Marabuena Silva, Holly Holmes, the popular names, but no real up-and-comers. So, Luiana, you keep getting some victories, you can keep moving up the ranks. But she did everything she needed to do through three rounds. Just a typical win for her. Can't ask for much more, I guess. Stephanie Edgar um, now falls to 8-5, and five, as I mentioned. In the UFC, she's now 3-4. and four. Three and four in the UFC, and that's, you know, she debuted in 2020 and had a 5-1 and one record and has since, you know, she's lost to now Tracy Cortez, Myra Boyle Silva, I mean, Alex Giva, she's lost to some good fighters. She also has beaten Jess Gross-Clark, Alan Perez, so I think it's a little impressive that Luiana Santos got it done. So good for you, Luiana. Don't really know what's next for you, but if we want to throw you against any ranked women's bantamweights, Chelsea Chandler at 15 is right there waiting for you. Checking out Lightweight next, Steve Garcia took on Melquizel Costa. This fight was supposed to go down last weekend. Instead, it was canceled due to an illness, and Steve Garcia came out revving to kill. He gets the round two TKO in brutal fashion. In round one, Melquizel absolutely dominated him. Four minutes and 41 seconds of control time on two of nine takedowns. Add more total strikes, add more significant strikes. Just domination. 
And right away in round one, Steve Garcia said, you know what? I cannot let this go to the ground. I'll get 10 aided again. Drops him down, gets in mount, and smashes his brain into a bloody oblivion as Steve Garcia gets his bum, 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 12th KO victory. Absolutely insane. 12 KO victories of his 15 professional victories and his third straight win in the UFC. Third straight knockout. You'll love to see it, Steve. I had I, I did think Melchizel was going to win, but you know what? You know what? It happens, all right? Melchizel will end his 2023 campaign 1-2 and two on the year. 20-7 and seven professionally. Melchizel, you really should have got him out of there in round number one. But good win for Steve, man. Good win for Steve. Gets his fourth UFC KO. I mean, he's 4-2 and two now in the UFC. A win on Season 3 of Dana White's Contender Series to match. Good for you, Steve. Good for you, I will say. I will say the grappling, clearly clearly not up to par, but you know what? You you keep using those hands, you can go far. Gets the gets the knockout, minute and one second into round number two. You can't ask for much more, King. You cannot. Steve Mean Machine Garcia knocks out. Malquizel Costa. Good win for you, Steve. Did not get a performance bonus, though. But I'll tell you who did get a performance bonus, and that was in our next fight when Shannon Ross took on Hyung Sung Park, and Hyung Sung Park absolutely destroyed. Gets the round two knockout punch. You love to see it, Hyung Sung. You really do. Round one. I mean, let me if I were to tell you that Shannon Ross had had two fights in the UFC before that and he had been knocked out in under a minute, you might be like, oh, he'll get knocked out in this one. He came a bit more durable than the last two fights. Now, Hyung Sung did outstrike him, 38-27. to 27, Three minutes of control time just from ending up on top. He did knock him down. But Shannon Ross was not going anywhere. And round two, Shannon Ross came out ready to strike. Was actually outstriking him, 34-27. to 27, Before Hyung Sung Park started teeing off on the side of the cage. Dropped him with a punch to the body. He fell down. Ref was like, he's been having enough punishment already. And Hyung Sung Park gets the win. 9-0 and now. For peace of mind, Hyung Sung Park. How is it? Hyung Sung Peace of Mind Park? I kind of like that nickname, man. He gets his fourth KO victory in his eighth of nine fights now. He has finished a perfect 4-0 in UFC-affiliated fights. Of course, he won two fights on uh, the road to the UFC. The UFC's like Asian, basically Daniel's contender series. That's the only way I could say it. You, you fight in a tournament over multiple events, and the winner gets to fight for a chance in the UFC. Young Sung Park won that earlier in February in his UFC debut, and now in his second UFC fight, he has knocked out Shannon Ross and gets 50 Gs to go with it. Young Sung Park, I want to see more of him. I want to see more of this guy. I liked it. I like it, especially at flyweight. We need more flyweights in the UFC. Um, Young Sung Park, you are definitely, definitely going places. And there is someone um, who actually beats uh, Carlos Hernandez, who fought Tetsuro Taira earlier, Alan Nascimento, I would like to see maybe Hyung Sung Park versus him, test his grappling a bit. But other than that, Hyung Sung Park putting on a great performance. Happy to see what's next for the flyweight. Welcome to the UFC. As for Shannon Ross, you know, you got knocked out on Dana White's Contender Series in 2022. And in 2023, you've now been knocked out three times. Unless there's a big flyweight prospect the UFC wants to build up, he's definitely done in the UFC. Shannon Ross, you might need a new profession. 13-9 now professionally, and you've been knocked out three times in the year. That's tough, but fight goes to Hyung Sung Park. I cannot complain. I love Hyung Sung Park. Then we rounded out our prelims with Kevin Joseph versus Song Kinong, and 
I'll be damned, man. Kevin Josette, the uh, Kevin Air Josette, sadly took it to Song the Assassin Keenong. Song doesn't win a single freaking round. Kevin outstrikes him 134 significantly wise to 62. Total strikes 158 to 88. Even went one of two on takedowns for a minute and a half of control time. Round one, Kevin teeing off on him, 46 to 21, you know, wobbled him a bit. Round two, 51 to 33, and round three, 61 to 34, Kevin got more impressive as he went on. Good win for Kevin now. This is his fifth straight victory, the 30-year-old from New Zealand, now 2-0 in the UFC. Fought in, De- fought in September and December, getting two wins, 10-2 and two now. Good, good momentum to take into the new year. You're now a UFC fighter. Good job, Kevin. Uh, the welterweight, all right, moving to uh, moving to New Zealand after he was born in France. Trains with, of course, Israel Adesanya at uh, City Kickboxing or whatever. What is it? Uh, CKB or whatever. The, the big, the big brand. I know Dan Hooker trains there. You got a number of fighters trained there. But good win for you, Kevin. And as for Song, man, it sucks. It sucks. He's now one in three. His last four fights, you know, he went one and one on the actually one and two on the year. He was knocked out by Ian Gary in March. Um, you know, you're twenty and eight though. You know, and Song's been in the UFC since twenty seventeen. I don't think he'll he'll be gone, but I mean he's certainly not getting a big opportunity like this. Sucks to see Song, but hey, that's just the name of the fight game. Let's move in to the main card. And, of course, if no one knows, is all of my prelim predictions, the ones we just went over, all the fights I predict on the prelims are unofficial, but all of my main card fights that I predict on our preview shows are all official. And I went 3-2 and two on this main card, improving my yearly total to 234 correct, 82 incorrect, and my all-time record of 505 correct and 359 incorrect. Yeah, we were rough when we first began, but we're, you know what? We're over 500. We're plus, plus what, 110 or something all time and for the year we're nearing uh we're nearing plus two plus 250 or plus 180 or something so it's been a good year picking and uh i was, was kind of sad on some of these but um let's get into the five fights kicking us off we had ranked middleweight action when jung young park took on andre munez of course jung young park was uh or no, they actually weren't ranked. They were both ranked 15 and 14, but I think they got bumped from the rankings. But Andre Munez gets the split decision win over Jung Young Park. Looking to get back in the rankings, I stand corrected. Andre Munez now improving to 24 and 6 professionally. Jung Young, the Iron Turtle Park, falls to 17 and 6. Name of the game, takedowns. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's all I'm going to freaking tell you, but... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Totals from the fight. Jung Young Park, significant strikes, 27-14. Total strikes, 52-35. to Takedowns. Andre Munoz goes 11-14 of for 9.5 minutes of control time. Jung Young Park sneaks in 3 minutes of control time himself. So 12.5 minutes was fought just in the clinch on the mat. It was a grappling fest. Jung Young Park does outstrike him in round one, 13 to 3, 20 to 10 total, 13 to 3 significantly. But Andre Munoz goes 5 of 6 on takedowns for 3 minutes. Interesting stuff there. Round two, much more Andre Munez. Uh, significant strikes, 9 to 6 in favor of Munez, 21 to 6 total strikes, but 4 of 4 on takedowns for 4 minutes and 16 seconds. That easily was his round. Round three, Jung Young Park outstriking him significantly, 8 to 2 total strikes, 16 to 4. 2 minutes and 10 seconds for Jung Young Park on reversals. Andre Munez goes 2 of 4 for 2 minutes, 2 of 4 on takedowns for 2 minutes, 11 seconds control time. 
So it looked like round two was to Andre, round three to Jung Young Park, and it all came down to round one. Two judges sought for Andre, one sought for Jung Young Park. That shit how just is how it goes. That's just how it be, my players. That's just how it be. But yeah, Jung Young Park, this kind of sucks. This snaps his four-fight win streak, his three-fight rear-naked chokehold streak. But as for Andre Munez, this was a must-win. After having been on an 11-9 or like 12-fight, 15-fight win streak, he was on an insane win streak. Heading into this, he had been finished in both of his last fights against Brandon Allen and Paul Craig, both in this year. He ends the year on a tough win, but you know what? That's just what you got to take into the new year. Jung Young Park, you'll be back as well, I'm sure. Neither of these men will be fighting for a ranking spot. No. There's just no shot. Not when you're not when you're dueling like that. Uh, you impressed me, Andre, with your grappling, but John Young Park, man, shocking, shocking that he kind of got out grappled because he was kind of known for grappling. But hey, that's just how it be, as I be saying. Good win for Andre. Tough loss for Jung Young, and sucks because I predicted him to win. Let's get into our ranked flyweight matchup as number 10 Tim Elliott took on number 11 Sumadarji on short notice. Sumadarji was supposed to take on, I believe, an unranked fighter. Was it Alan Nascimento? He was supposed to fight, I think it was someone else, but nonetheless, Tim Elliott, the dog that he is, stepped in on short notice and gets a round one arm triangle, a performance bonus to go with it. Tim Elliott's seventh career submission. Good win for him. Name of the game, Tamilia went in, didn't want to strike, one of three on takedowns, two minutes of control time, did his thing, got him down, and that's how it be. Tamilia improves to 21 and 13 professionally. Sumadarji falls to 16 and 6. And is now on a two fight losing streak. And of his three UFC losses, all by submission. So this guy clearly has no ground game. Uh, now, Sumadarji does have an insane 13 knockouts of his 16 victories, but hey, Tim Elliott, you know, it was it was, it was was a tough loss in October. He got arm triangle by Muhammad Wakayev, um, but you know what? 2-1 and one now in the year. He did pick up a win in June, ending the year on a W, getting 50K performance bonus. Good win for Tim Elliott, and he's not going to move up in the rankings, but Sumadarji might drop a spot, I think. Drop a spot or two, especially after getting submitted. And with that win, Tim Elliott can now look at anyone in the rankings. Maybe number 8, Matt Schnell. Maybe number 11, Steve Ersig. Maybe number 13, Tegir Lembekoff. Maybe even all the way up to number 7, Alex Perez, if he loses. It should be a, should be an interesting uh, interesting to see what happens to Tim Elliott. Master Sumanarji, as I mentioned um, earlier, what's next for him? I think Tetsuro Taira. Tatsuro's from Japan. Sumadarji's from China. We do a UFC China or UFC just... Uh, I know they've gone to... Um, Oh, where did they go in 2022 for UFC 275? Or actually, they went there. Singapore. They did went this year, too. They do a UFC Singapore. That's a fight you have to put on there. Tough loss for Sumadarji, but Tim, I gotta give it to you. You showed some heart. I didn't predict him to win, but he, he impressed me. That's for sure. Let's get into the next three fights because I predicted them all correctly. Nazrat Hakpasrat knocks out Jamie Malarkey in a minute and 44 seconds. And honestly, the fight should have been stopped earlier. What did I tell you? What more do you want me to tell you? Nasrat gets his 10th career knockout victory of his 16 career victories. Blitzed him right off the bat. Literally just walked right into Jamie, swinging for the fences. Total strikes 18 to 8, significant wise 16 to 8. Two knockdowns in a minute, 44 seconds. First time he dropped him, could have stopped it. And how do, how do I even tell this to you? Is that Jamie was standing up, you know, looking to recover, and Nasrat was just landing uppercuts, uppercuts right to his face. The ref could have stopped it. He was out on his feet. Next time he fell over to the knockdown, the ref was finally like, I think it was Keith. I think it, no, who was it? 
I think, oh man, it was, it was the guy with tattoos all over him. Oh my gosh, what's his name? What's his freaking name? It's not coming to my head. It's the one that uh, Dominic Cruz hates. Uh, mind slipping right now, but Nasrat getting a huge knockout victory. Jamie Malarkey, yikes! Probably got some brain damage from that. Nazrat improves to 16-5 and five and is now on a three-fight winning streak. So happy for them. There was a time Nazrat had lost to Dan Hooker and Bobby Green in unanimous decisions back-to-back. But you know what? September 2022, one unanimous decision. September 9th of this year, got a unanimous decision. And now ends the year on a round one minute and 44 second TKO and gets an extra 50 Gs for winning. Good win for you, Nazrat. I'm honestly, I'm high on Nazrat after this. I'm honestly high on him. I don't think I predicted him to win his last two fights, personally. I know I didn't predict him to beat Dan Hooker or uh, Bobby Green. But now, big win like this, you could look at the rankings. You know, obviously, Drew Dobrin and Adam White. Kano are fighting, as we mentioned earlier, in February. You could take on the loser of that. And you could even rematch number 14-ranked Bobby Green. He's coming off of a loss. And, you know, maybe he could be looking for that, but could be looking outside the rankings. We'll see. As for Jamie Malarkey, ooh, tough, tough loss. He's uh, He goes 2-2 two and two on the year, though. Two unanimous decision wins. Two knockout losses. Um, Jamie Malarkey, win some, you lose some. I'm sure we'll see him back at some point next year, but... Nazrat, excellent win for you. My favorite performance of the night goes to these light heavyweights, though, as number 11, Khalil Roundtree Jr., took on number 8, Anthony Smith, on short notice. And unlike Tim Elliott stepping in on short notice to fight someone below him, it did not work out for Anthony Smith, as Khalil Roundtree Jr. knocks him out, not even a minute into round number 3. Impressive stuff from Khalil Roundtree. Round one, Khalil barely outstrikes him significantly. Twenty to nineteen, Anthony Smith actually had more total strikes. Twenty-three to twenty-one. Forty seconds of clinch control for Khalil Roundtree Jr. Round two, even significantly, twenty-three apiece for everyone. Twenty-five to twenty-four uh, total strikes in favor of Khalil Roundtree Jr. And round three, Khalil comes out like the rent was due, like someone just slapped his mama, lays into Anthony Smith, landing some punches to the head. Anthony's wobbled on his feet, falls down on his own, and Khalil winds up his fist in the air like he's about to land the biggest hammer fist of his life. And, oh, is it wasn't Mark Coleman, whoever it was, Mark Smith. Mark Smith was like, stop, stop, stop. Do not land a follow-up punch. It was so intimidating. Imagine you have that much power. And you've rocked someone that much that even though they're not fully knocked out on their feet, you're winding up your fist like your ball laid on them and the ref stops it. Like he put his fist in the air and just was walking over to them like Khalil Roundtree knew he shouldn't land this punch. It would not be a good idea. And man, oh man, a huge win for Khalil Roundtree Jr. He doesn't even have a nickname. Why doesn't this man have a nickname? Get him a cool nickname, guys. Um, Khalil Roundtree Jr., super impressive. Knocked out the number eight guy in the division, which will bump him up to number eight in the division. Anthony Smith, tough loss for you, but Khalil Roundtree Jr., season his moment. He'll be looking up, and with number seven, Johnny Walker, booked against number three, Magomed Akalayev. Alexander Rakic did just lose Jan Blachowicz as an opponent. Keita Krylov at six without an opponent. I could see Khalil Roundtree Jr. taking on number six, Nikita Krylov, number five, Alexander Rakic, maybe even waiting for number four, Jan Blachowicz, to heal, or even stepping up all the way to take on Jerry Prochaska. The sky's the limit for Khalil Roundtree Jr. He is now on an insane five-fight win streak for those by knockout. Incredible stuff from Khalil. Incredible stuff. I love it, Khalil. I freaking love it. That's his ninth career KO. Ninth career KO of his 14 career victories. Incredible Khalil Roundtree Jr.
Anthony Smith, oh man, tough, tough, tough. One in three, his last four goes one in three on the year. Um, one in two on the year, I should say. Losses to Johnny Walker and now Cleo. He did beat Ryan Spann in August. And you know what? He he dared to dream big. And instead, he supplied Khalil with 50 Gs. As Khalil did get performance bonus for his victory. Um, I don't know what's next for Anthony Smith. I don't know. I don't know if he should keep fighting. He's taking a lot of damage. You know, I, honestly, I, I saw Benil Dariush was saying he doesn't know if he should keep fighting after he's been knocked out in round one in his last two fights. Of course, he got knocked out by Armin Zukrian in a minute last uh, last Saturday in uh, blah, 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 Austin, Texas, December 2nd. So, I don't know, man. You got uh, Azamat Mirzakhanov, who was supposed to fight Clint Roundtree Jr. Him versus Anthony Smith could be a good fight. If Carlos Ulberg, I'm assuming, gets passed on a graze, that could be his next fight, but... It's just tough fights in the future for Anthony Smith from some up-and-coming light heavyweights. Sorry to see it, Lionheart, but that's what happens when you get older in this game. And with that, it brings us into our final fight of the night, our final touching point of this episode. It was the main event as number 7-ranked men's bantamweight Song Dong took on number 14-ranked Chris Gutierrez, and it was all Song Dong through five straight rounds. He gets the unanimous decision victory, including a 10-8 round from Sal Diamato. Here are your totals from the fight. Significant strikes 87 to 77 in favor of Chris Gutierrez. Total strikes 160 to 105 in favor of Song Dong. Takedowns 2 of 3 for 11 minutes of control time from Song Dong. Round 1, you know, all th- I didn't really catch this fight. I caught a couple moments of it when I was at the bar, but round one, Chris outstruck him 29 to 17. Same for the significantly wise, 29 to 17. But there just must have been something in this round where Chris didn't win. Maybe he was landing more volume, but damage was in favor of Song. Round two, outstrikes Song 25 to 14 significantly, 27 to 22 total. Song does go one of one on takedowns for just under two minutes of control time. Must have been a determining factor there. Round three, same thing. Chris outstrikes him 24-17. Same for the significantly wise. Song does go one of two on takedowns, but only 13 minutes of control time. Um, just just must have been damage. It must have been damage. Chris must have been landing more, but the damage must have been going to Song Dong. And Song does throw hard, and when he lands, it looks like it's harder. Round four, though, this is where the switch up came. Song goes 12 of 8 significantly and 51 to 17 total strikes for 4 minutes and 15 seconds control time. And the 10-8 round in round number five is Song Dong lands 17 to 1 significant strikes, 53 to 8 total strikes, and 4 minutes and 41 seconds of control time. And it was actually on Chris Gutierrez failing to take down that Song Dong ended up on top. Dominates him to end out the fight, and the Kung Fu kid Song Dong gets his second straight win 2 and 0 on the year and you know Sangye Dong is now 5 and 1 his last 6 fights and mind you in the UFC now he's been in the UFC since 2017 when he was just a 20 year old kid he only has two losses one's a unanimous decision loss to Kyler Phillips in 2021 where he got out grappled even though he was out striking and the other one was in September 2022 when he was TKO'd in the fourth but it was actually a stoppage between the fourth and fifth because of a cut on Song Ye Dong which his fight with Corey St. Hagen was stopped that was very sad that uh, that fight didn't go the distance but Song Ye Dong is so durable wins over Ricky Simone and Chris Gutierrez have him primed for a huge 2024 Chris Gutierrez, you know, he dared to dream big, but he is 1-2 now on the year. His only win over Alatenge, who's nowhere near the rankings, his losses to ranked fighters Pedro Munoz and Song Ye Dong. 
So Chris was ranked 15th. I they, they could keep him. They could get rid of him. It doesn't matter. Chris Gutierrez will not be fighting up his next fight. He, uh, he'll probably be taking on an unranked bantamweight. A lot of options. I know he was booked against Montel Jackson, and that fight fell through. That could be a fight you do next, or even someone like Saeed or Magomedov. But as for Sergey Dog, he's currently ranked number seven. He should, without a doubt, pass number six, Marlon Vera, and number five, Piotr Jan. But that's not how it's going to go. He was supposed to fight Piotr Young in China. Of course, Piotr Young got hurt. I say we run that back. All right, Piotr Young's ranked five. Sangre Young's ranked seven. I say we do that fight. All right, and you got number one ranked Aljamain Sterling leaving the division to either take on Max Holloway, Calvin Cater at featherweight. You got number two, Murad Dovichelli, and number three, Henry Sudo fighting, as we mentioned earlier, in February. Number four, Corey Sanhagen, is sitting out. He already beat Song Dong. Number five, Piotr Jan, no opponent. Number six, Marlon Vera, fighting for the belt. The Piotr Jan fight writes itself. Seems meant to be. And honestly, I'm a Song Dong fan. I love Song Dong. He's one of the fighters on this card that I actually, I really enjoy. So the one thing I did enjoy about this card is, you know, Song Dong, I'm a fan of. Cleo Roundtree Jr., I'm a fan of. Um, and Tatsuro Terra, I'm a fan of. So I really like those three guys. It was nice seeing them win. Not really sad on any losses tonight. I'd say maybe seeing Jung Young Park lose. I was kind of like, oh, that sucks. But other than that, pretty good event. Got a lot of finishes. Our final fight night of the year. Absolutely crazy, guys. Absolutely crazy. And with that, that's all I got for this episode. But stay tuned for uh, Thursday. Of course, we'll be previewing all of Week 15 of the NFL matchups, some Saturday games, some Saturday games. Um, of course, UFC 296 will be dropping all my predictions. We're going to cook up a surprise topic for that episode. And then the following weekend, uh, episode 50, going to be a massive one. We'll be reviewing UFC 296, and I'll be ranking every single fight night main event, every single fight night main event of the year. So what else we're going to do for um, our ranking stuff? Uh, I don't know if we're going to do performance bonus or we're going to do fight of the years or whatever, but I will be ranking all the fight night main events. There's a lot. There's probably like 30, 40, or 50 or something. Uh, Actually, probably more like 30 or 40, but uh, we'll be ranking all of our fight night main events. We're going to be ranking all the fight night cards, all the pay-per-view main events, all the title fights, and all the pay-per-views of the year. We have lots of stuff to rank to round out the year. But, um, yeah, you know, this wasn't too bad of a fight night. And despite going all five rounds, despite not being a fight in the night, still a nice performance from Song Dong and Chris Gutierrez. But that's all I got for you guys. That's all for you got. That's all I got. That's all I got. A lot of, lot of UFC, a lot of NFL, a whole lot of NFL. I mean, I could just talk about NFL and UFC forever. We got big things coming in the future, but um, as for now, Kick this week's butt, guys. All right, make this an amazing week. I got this quote from Muhammad Ali. Don't count the days, make the days count. Thank you all so much. I'll catch you next time on the Surprise Jab Podcast.